Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott dodges the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 167 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson here with my co-host Joshua Perry. Uh, I've had two cups of coffee. That might be a record for me this early because (laughs) we're recording early here, Joshua. We are. Um, and it's so funny, like that's part of our stick now is we'll tell you what time of day. I know. Because sometimes yes. during the football season, it's like 6 a.m. Yeah. Um, other times during the football season, it's like 10 p.m. Exactly. Um, and so in the off season, we get a little bit of a mixed bag here. I have not had my coffee yet um, because I'm Ooh. going to work out after this. Okay. But okay. when I get to the office, probably I would say three to four cups of coffee a day. Do you really? I was going to ask oh, yeah. you if, if you're a coffee guy during the day. Yep. I get 11-ounce uh, pours out of our coffee machine, and I do um, at least <laughs> three of them. So do you have a giant mug or just one of those regular coffee cups? I uh, I am very wasteful. Um, you're not going to see um, the zero-waste Joshua Perry in action anytime soon. So I just use the paper cups that they have at the office. I'm gonna I am going to tell Maddie to get you one of those portable like coffee slash you can use them for other things for Christmas. Just oh. so that you have something that you can just rely on every day. Listen, Kayla, we have them. Oh, you just it's don't just use the fact them. that I don't use them. <laughs> I should also um I just I sent a couple known. of photos to your phone uh offline we'll talk about them. Okay, great. Let's see <laughs> if we could only do a podcast with what was happening before this podcast started, you all would be so so uh coming in every day and listening to this. But we can't. I'm sorry. Sorry. We got to do the pre-show. We got to do the pre-show. Oh, I love it. Oh, I I'm laughing out loud right now at these at these photos. Sorry mm-hmm. guys. We can't divulge. Okay. Um let's start on press pass though and college football. What we talk about actually on here. And okay, so it is the off season. We're getting ready because it's going to be here before we know it. But we had talked about the NCAA transfer portal, all of that good stuff that comes along with the new age of college football. And there was an update actually this past week, Joshua, on the transfer portal. Because right now, it's really like the wild, wild west. We're seeing with the amount of players that are um, entering into the portal. So I guess that the NCAA... Um, said that they are going to announce recommendations that would provide athletes with windows to enter the portal for for each year, Um, as Mm -hmm. well as changes to the current infractions process designed to result in faster outcomes. So they're trying to start to maybe do something in terms of um, giving recommendations, but I still feel like this is a thing that's going to take a while to work itself out. Um, but it, it it's nice to at least know they're they're beginning some sort of a process. <laughs> yeah, and I think this has been like the topic of conversation for 
a lot of coaches. We talk um, NIL all the time, but the other one that pops up is the transfer portal. And like even talking to some of the college coaches I know right now, they're like, there needs to be guardrails on both. And I think for college coaches, what's happened is recruiting was already a 24-7 gig, but it's like even worse now if it can be. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so this is a part of it is like, not only are you now trying to figure out, you know, how, how are we recruiting and evaluating high school talent? Excuse me. Part of your uh, evaluation process now goes into how are we evaluating guys that are in the transfer portal? And then the other thing that happens is how are we re-recruiting the guys that we already have on campus? So if you are, um, you know, if you're Alabama, for example, and you've got a guy who is certainly a good player, but more of a developmental guy, you've got a log jam at other positions. Mm -hmm. um, What do you do? Like, do you, how do you keep that guy on campus? How do you make sure that he's patient so he can shine at your school? And especially for some of these top level schools, you know that there is a track record that, hey, if this guy is patient, he's going to have an opportunity to play well and probably get to the league. But if he's impatient, he's going to want to go somewhere else where it might not be as good for his career. Like, sure, he might play right away, but is his top end ever going to be tapped? Um, yeah. And so there is part of it is like people are like, oh, man, you know, coaches are being selfish and they don't want players to go which I think that's some of it. But the other part is I think these coaches also do understand like, you know, they're probably in better hands at certain places. The flip side of that is if you are a smaller school and one of your players explodes, like they, they blow up, they become a really good player. um, How are you able to keep them on campus as well? Because we see players that want to level up from a group of five to a power five. Um, it's it is very interesting. So I think that I, I like the fact that you get the one time free transfer without having too. to sit out. Um, mm-hmm. I love the idea of the portal and this fact that players are empowered. Um, I also think that there is a chaos element to it where you can say that, listen, you've got your one time transfer. We're not going to interfere with that. But we'd also like to say that you can only transfer between this time period and this time period just to kind of calm things down. Yes. Um, and I also think that would help prevent this idea of tampering as well, which we don't necessarily talk about, but like, right. you know, their coaches are reaching out to guys that they, they see on other rosters that aren't playing during the season. And um, I think that's foul behavior. Uh, and so I think that there is a way to say, listen, guys, you can have your empowerment, but we're also going to make sure that we can do this in a way that's structured. Exactly. And, and that's a good way to put it. I liked some of the words you used when you were describing just, you know, the process of the portal and you used the word um, being patient. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a big thing with this younger generation is the patience is not there anymore, mm-hmm. right? For some reason, you know, there's just not a lot of like time that these athletes give themselves to maybe work out a plan or to think about the um, the things that might come back and haunt them if they enter the portal without kind of thinking it out. A lot of these decisions sometimes are a little more rational. Um, and sometimes you got to sit back and maybe just give it a little time or discuss it with somebody, um, have somebody who's going to give you some advice. And 
an example of this is I'm not going to name any names at all, and I'm not even going to name the program. But I had uh, learned about a story of a young man, and I will say the position, a quarterback, who was at a program um, who at one point thought he could be a potential starter, um, where a new head coach came in and clearly brought in another quarterback who was a transfer and decided eventually that guy was going to start. Well, this other guy who was, you know, in the quarterback's room immediately was like, I'm never going to play like it. This isn't worth it. And I think kind of just put a guard up and didn't really have a, a good relationship with the coach where he could just go to him and get real advice and just decided I'm, I'm entering the portal. Right. And now, mm-hmm. you know, when that happened, it was kind of like a scary transition. You know, the player didn't feel like he knew what he was doing exactly, but he just felt like he had to get out of the situation he was in, which I completely understand when you get a new coach and you don't feel like you're the guy. But I just want there to be guidance for these kids. That's all I'm asking for. And maybe that's the woman in me and the the motherly kind of like aspect that I bring to the table when I cover these athletes is I always want to make sure that like their well-being is taken care of more than anything. And when you hear stories like that, I'm just kind of like, I know that this is happening to more to more players than just him. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I think it's difficult, the patience thing. And you mentioned it just like the way that things are right now. And even older yeah. people are starting to become more impatient, but like everything's at your <laughs> fingertips. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, you don't, you just, you literally don't have to wait, but um, there's also urgency in a college career because you only have a finite amount of time to show what you can do. So I understand both sides of it, but I also think that like, you know, there, I don't know if there are enough people that are not coaches that are trying to guide young people into making the patient decisions. And that's the hard part is like, you know, what is, what does the mentorship look like for a lot of these young folks right now um, when they're going through these tough decision-making processes? Because it can be true that while you are an adult because you're 18 or older, you're still a young adult that does not have the life experience or the perspective to understand maybe all the impacts of the decisions you want to make right now. Exactly. And that's all I'm asking for in the future. I know it's not something that can happen right away, but if you're going to change the whole um, landscape of college football, then you you have to do things that is going to at least help that transition transition be better. I mean, I know that some of them have agents. I get that part, but a lot of them don't have agents. Um, and so, just making sure that at least that that resource is available at some point. Because again, I'm going to remind you, I was trying to do a story on this, Joshua, and I reached out to several universities that have college football programs, whether that be, you know, a a, a power five program or a non-power five program. And they all kind of gave me the same answer. They didn't have one because Mm -hmm. they didn't really have anybody. And it's something that they're trying to avoid. And I don't like that. Yeah. I think the hard thing too, with the agents though, is like too many of these people hopped into this space, uh, this college space and they're calling themselves experts Yes. But they don't have expertise. Like the one guy that I rely on um, is Luke Fedlam, and he works with professional athletes and collegiate athletes. He's not an agent, um, but he is an attorney. 
mm-hmm. and he's an advisor. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his track record, his track record has been with athletes mm-hmm. in an advisory role and not just professional athletes, but collegiate athletes and um, just giving advice about the the landscape. And so sure. for him, it was a natural transition. I trust him um, to to work with athletes. But you see a lot of these other cats who saw an opportunity financially. Y- yes. Um, and and so like their finances are all intermingled with what these athletes are doing too. And that's where it's tough. It's like, yep. I don't know what a good solution is. And I think that's the hardest part about it. It's like, you know, nobody yeah. has a good answer, but yeah. what I know is right now what's going on ain't necessarily what could be the best thing. Nope. I, I agree. And so I just hope that, you know, it works. In- it is good to see like there's some talk of that. I guess the board's going to review the recommendations. Um, actually, what are we, when is this? Let's see. We're at the 21st. Yeah. So June 30th. So at the end of the month. Um, and if the board supports it, they'll send it to the D1 council for feedback. Um, so they could vote to approve recommendations by August uh, the 3rd. So it looks like this is something they're trying to like get going here soon. So it's a good thing. Yeah. There's some sort of movement there. So this past week, Joshua, we're in that time where um, we're seeing some of these commits um, some of these players, I should say, commit to colleges. And there was one that struck me as uh, a little interesting, just in terms of I'm not trying to poo-poo on the university here, but Louisville actually got one of the top running back recruits for 2023 in Reuben Owens. Just got that. He's, I think he's listed on some as one, some as two, as the number one or number two back. But you get the you get the point I'm trying to make here. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be a Cardinal. I found that a little interesting. I, I, I mean, again, we're talking about NIL. I mean, there's money, I guess, in certain places. Um, but I don't know if it all has to do with that all the time. Yes, I, I think that a lot of it, it comes down to, um, you know, these players also aren't necessarily dumb. They want to go somewhere <laughs> where they feel like they can develop, they can play, and where they trust the coach. Yeah. Um, and so that brings me to to Scott Satterfield, the head mm-hmm. coach at Louisville. And mm-hmm. we had him on my show, The Rally, um, a month or two ago. And just from talking to him for the 11 minutes that we had him on the show, he was phenomenal. Um, I think he That's gets awesome. it. And, and that program has struggled in the last couple of seasons. Um, I think the one thing that has not struggled, though, is his dedication to his players and just building trust in an environment that guys want to go to. Um, So when I see that in this world, it's like, dang, you know, did he maybe turn down opportunities to go somewhere bigger where that he could have more NIL money? Potentially, did he turn down an opportunity to go somewhere where they're going to be able to compete for a national title right away? I'm sure he did, but Mm -hmm. also did he go somewhere where he maybe felt like that was the most trustworthy coach that was really interested in his services? Yes. Probably. And I think that is still a big factor in this recruiting process. It's not all about the glitz and the glam and the money anymore. Um, it's always been about personal relationships. Can I add one thing to this? This is I wanted to specifically read his Twitter post because when I read the Twitter post, I'm like, this young man is like, and I say young man because that's what I'm saying. He's a young man and he's making a decision in my eyes that he really looked into it. And it wasn't just about one thing or the other. He was looking at what program he would fit the best in 
you brought up the word trust. I think it's so important nowadays to trust, you know, who you're going into business with. And now mm-hmm. these guys are going into business. It's not just playing football at the college. They're going into business with, I mean, they're, they're considered pretty much, you know, many professionals at this point. So he said, I've always been a trailblazer and uh, aim to create my own legacy on the road less traveled in hopes of inspiring others to believe in themselves. It was the driving mm. force in me making this life-changing decision on where to spend the next three to four years of my life. Who is writing this? Like a 40-year-old? That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, some of these kids, they, they can see beyond, you know, yeah. for their age. Yeah. So I, I just thought that that kind of gave me some hope in this world of craziness, you know, and, and just knowing that there is, there is youth out there that is, you know, kind of wise beyond their days or just getting the right advice or being guided in the right direction. And I know Joshua, there's some other commits recently to your alma mater um, that were some big ones. Yes. Um, let me make sure I get this name correct uh <laughs> that's the one part about our job that we always we, we like if we're doing something really quick we got to just say a name we never want to pronounce it wrong no um hold on, give me a second. but sometimes we do struggling this morning this uh <laughs> he doesn't have his coffee folks if you're joining us you know midway through this podcast for some odd reason he has not had coffee no i just have saying. not had coffee i, I need to go ahead and Get my coffee together. Um, let me go on Eleven Warriors real quick. That should be that should yes. be good. They got all this stuff locked. They've up. got all of it. Eleven Warriors is the uh, website where you can find a lot of Ohio State. Uh, all right, tidbits. Carnell Tate is the, the guy's name. Yes, correct. A five-star wide yes. receiver. And um, this battle came down to Tennessee with the pro- a program that you're very familiar with. I am. And uh, my Ohio State Buckeyes, another program that we're both familiar with. Um, yes. So Tennessee's MO lately has been name, image, and likeness. They have 100%. spent a ton of money to get guys on campus. Yep. can't remember the, uh, the quarterback commit's name, but apparently, you know, he signed a deal worth up to $8 million um, for his services at Tennessee in conjunction with some NIL. Um, and I'm sure that they were offering Carnell Tate um, some incentives to be on campus. We can talk about the legality of such deals at a different time. Um, but he ends up going to Ohio State. And here's the reason why. His Brian Hartline has a an undisputed track record oh my gosh, of yeah. developing players into premier NFL talent. Yeah. Um, if you're a five-star wide recruit and you get an offer from Ohio State, what is your incentive to go anywhere else? Yeah. Like right. I'm asking that right. legitimately to legitimately to you, Kayla. Like you're you're a, a recruit. Let's say you got offers from Ohio State, you got Notre Dame. Uh, let's throw in uh, Texas A and M. Uh, even put Bama in the mix. Like the only one you're probably thinking about is Bama. It's Bama. That's probably the only but, one. But like, but even but even then, let me add something. But even then, I think it's kind of a preference of like that maybe just come down get, comes down to cuz they both put put guys in the in the pros right at a rapid level at a rapid pace they both have great head coaches they both like i i get it alabama's won a lot 
a lot more recent national championships, but it's not to say that you can't win at Ohio state. Um, You know, I just, to me though, it it, maybe it's even preference of, do you want to go South to Tuscaloosa or do you want to go to Columbus, Ohio? Yep. That's what it comes down to. Like outside of that, Ohio State is the place to go for wide receivers. Um, if you're a quarterback, uh, 100%. probably similar. If you're looking at defense, you're you're looking at Alabama. You're looking yeah. at Georgia, more than likely. Um, you know, offensive line, you're probably in the um, – Notre Dame's done a really good job. They got a track record. Alabama has as well. Um, you're even looking at a Wisconsin, maybe an Iowa-type situation because they've got sure. a great track record there. Like certain positions, you're looking at certain schools, and if you get the offer, you're probably a dummy if you turn it down. Yeah, I I agree. No, I absolutely agree. And I think you were mentioning the wide receiver specifically. You know, if you compare Alabama to Ohio State, uh, recently at least, I mean, look at the the receivers that Ohio State has not only put in the league that have found instant success. Yes. Yes. 100%. I mean, you had back-to-back uh, first-round picks this year for Ohio State, number 10 and number 11, um, you know, and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And, um, you know, you can even go back a couple of years. You look at what Terry McLaurin's doing right now. Like, this guy is is hoping to ink a deal here soon. He's and if played not, really can well. we send him to Tennessee? I'm sorry. I'm still, yeah. like, I, I'm still rallying. I just, for some reason, I'm, like, hoping and, and praying that that he comes to Tennessee. I know that's not going to happen, but I'm just saying. I mean. Get him out of Washington and that awful franchise. I, I think that he, he would be totally open to it. And that's the wild part about it, too. This cat has been productive in a bad franchise that's had instability yes. at the quarterback position. Yes. Like, but that's what Ohio State guys are going to do. Um, I know. And so that's where the conversation really begins and ends with like, oh, Brian Hartline and Ryan Day want to coach me? Like, yeah, it's probably yeah. going to be wide out. Yep. No, I, I, I completely agree. Um, And I know, you know, we're getting to the time now you have to realize, Joshua, and we've had this conversation on here, like how how much longer is Nick Saban going to be the head coach at Alabama? Like this – this cat's getting up there in age. And I would think mm-hmm. at some point, Miss Terry is going to say, yo, Nick, like it's time to, to, to <laughs> step back, you know, at least from coaching, you can be involved in college football somehow, but like, let's, let's step back from the coaching part of things. Now that you're reaching, you know, I don't even know how old he is almost, I think mid seventies. Right. Yeah. Or, and I mean, it's, it's getting to that point where my guy's getting testy too. Like he is, uh, I know. You know he's, he's been a little bit more vocal. He's getting outspoken. I think he does not like what he sees on the horizon. Right. For college football. Like, yeah, I mean, probably only got a, a couple few more good ones in him. So here's my question with that, Joshua, because I saw the transition from Alabama football when it had dropped off for a while and then when Saban came on during that year I was in Alabama covering sports, and then it just took off from there when Saban took over. So when Saban eventually leaves Alabama, does it go backwards a little bit? Or do you think, do you think it's like an Ohio State at this point where it's just going to continue to, to keep doing what it's doing? Because again, you have to remember people. I know you're probably young and, and listening to this podcast, but there was a time when Alabama football was not doing anything 
at all. Like yeah, it had it's dropped off the map. Because I feel like few programs have been able to sustain coaching changes. Yeah. Like you look at what Ohio State did. Uh, Woody Hayes was there forever, it seemed like. And yes. he was a, an extremely successful coach. And then you move on to Earl Bruce. And yep. Earl Bruce was uh, definitely successful, probably not at the level that a lot of people wanted it to be, but it was still a very good program. Then you look at uh, the Cooper days. Cooper. And the Cooper yep. days were always like, okay, he's a guy who can recruit nationally. Um, they're going to be competitive. Never won the big one. Um, right. Struggled to beat Michigan, but it's still like a very good program. Yep. Then you bring in this guy named Jim Trestle. <laughs> Um, Sweater vest. And the vest knew how to do it. He recruited well, had high character guys, uh, ran a good program, won a national title early on and competed for a couple more. Um, then he goes through what he went through. Uh, program was yep. in turmoil. Yep. And you're able to hire one of the best in the business, which is something Ohio State's always going to be able to do. Yep. Columbus is an attractive city. Um, it's highly capitalized, so you can pay. And they've got the track record of competing at the top. So you get Urban Meyer, who comes in, revitalizes recruiting, wins a national title. And then he decides he's going to leave. Ryan Day comes in. And there's no drop-off in recruiting. And they're back in the college football playoff yep. consistently, just played in a national title game in the uh, the COVID year of 2020. Um, I don't know how many programs you can point to that there's can say not. that they've gone through that level of success. Penn State, obviously, they had – um, something that could have killed their program. And they're back in a good position right now, but mm-hmm. certainly you've seen drop-off there. Mm-hmm. You look at Michigan, um, has certainly not been That's easy for off. that program. Nope. Yeah, I mean, Lloyd Carr, um, you know, when he leaves, you've got <laughs> Rich Rodriguez <laughs> coming in and then Brady Hoke Brady is Hulk. what you follow that up with. Like, that's bad ball. You can look at Notre <laughs> Dame. Um to where they haven't been able to to really break through, and they had some down years too, a couple four year season or four win seasons in there, um, and even Texas, like we know what happened there when Urban left Florida, that program definitely took a dip. Um, Oklahoma has been good, but they haven't been able to break through. We've seen what happened at USC, where they have dropped off the map. Like right. there have been very yeah. few programs that could sustain the ability to compete yes. for titles and, yes. and even win them. Ohio State's won titles in multiple decades um, recently. Um, and so you have to expect that there is going to be some level of drop-off yes. when Nick Saban ultimately does leave Alabama. Um, that's natural. Yep. Can no. they hire one of the best coaches out there? Sure they can. Um, but you have to be able to recruit and then you got to be able to produce the wins. And you have to be able to do it in this day and age. And that's not mm-hmm. going to be easy for any college coach. And even if you're a college coach that has maybe had success at another program, and we're going to see that this year at LSU. If, yeah. if, if, yes, if, we are. If, if you don't know how to take a new program to those heights, then you're going to be out of a job sooner than later. And that's mm-hmm. why I think – it is really intriguing to ask the question, what happens when Saban leaves? Because it's really easy to assume, oh, it's Alabama football. But must I remind you again, Alabama football was in the uh, the bottom of the uh, you know top five pro or power five programs. It, like it was, it, it was bad. It was a bottom feeder when I got yep. there. 
And, and yep. there, there is a chance it's not going to go probably back there, but there is a chance that it's going to take a little bit of a dip. And especially if you're in the SEC and going to be eventually playing with Texas and Oklahoma now, like it's not getting any easier. So yep. I just think it's something that's really interesting to start thinking about because, yeah, I'm sure they'll have their, their, their guy lined up, but who's to say that they're going to have anywhere in terms of um, the amount of success that, that Saban has. And if it's not at that level, like that guy's not going to be there for, for long. No, I totally agree. I mean, even the program that you're close to now in Tennessee, like it's been 20 years since they've been. Yes, good. it has. Yep. 20 whole years. Like 20 whole years. Heck? Yeah. And that can happen to a program. Like, you know, you, you get out of the rhythm and the the player, the, the caliber of player and the caliber of coach that used to be there isn't there anymore. And you will fall into the abyss yep. for two decades. Absolutely. And that's why it is so impressive that Ohio State has been able to stay that relevant in terms yep. of wins and just being in the mix. I really do think it's impressive. I, I, I really do. I mean, again, you just listed off all those coaches and while they wouldn't you know, be winning national championships every year, they were never out of the conversation. So. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Ohio state's worst season outside of the Luke fickle year was probably like a nine win season. I think under so. Trestle. I think um, so. You know, playing in yeah. the Alamo bowl and like a lot of teams would love to win nine games Sure. And at Ohio state. Like last year was wild. Um, it was a team that ended up winning 11 games. I believe yep. um, they lost one in the regular season two in the regular season, uh, and then they won the bowl game. So that's 11 wins. And you had people, like, questioning if Ryan Day could get the job done. Yeah, right, um, 11 right. freaking wins. And, and this is coming after a year he took him to a national title. Right. Um, and a Day's year that MO. Michigan is up, comp- like, up, yeah. up where it's never been in a long time. Yeah, Ryan Day's whole MO as, as head coach of Ohio State was making it to the college football playoff. And I know the sample size was certainly small. But come, come on. on. Like, but that's the difference is I also I think that there comes a point, too, where your athletic director and your fan base play a big role in, like, what they're willing to accept. And I'm sure yeah. that Gene Smith probably did have a tough conversation with Ryan Day in the offseason. Like, dude, you're not at yeah. risk of being fired whatsoever. But also, you need to make some changes yep. uh, because we can't, we can't even do 11 wins around. Yep, you exactly. Gotta, you got to go undefeated in the regular season. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, well, that was a fun conversation today. I mean, it's, yeah, it, was. It, it's, it is amazing to me, Joshua, before we wrap this podcast up. It's amazing to me, like, there has not been a lot of storylines this offseason. In terms no. of, like, actual football. I, I, I'm not talking about NIL, Transfer Portal, all of that stuff, the coaching drama. I'm talking about straight up just like the the players, like the the program expectations. Not a lot of that has been talked about in this offseason. And so it will be really interesting going into the year um, just to have like some different type of topic other than NIL, Transfer Portal, whatever. Because I know right now that is the talk, but it is a little different of an offseason. I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I just feel like our conversations this offseason have been dramatically different from last. No, certainly different. Um, and that's the landscape, I guess, that we're going to be in, at least yeah. for the right now. I think once yep. NIL and Transfer Portal become a little bit more normal, we'll get back to talking about 
actual football, but just it's like everybody's trying to process this stuff at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Well, that does it for this episode of Press Pass. Before we let you go, where can the folks go to follow you on social media? You can follow me at RIP underscore JEP on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, you can follow me at Kaylee Anderson TV on both Insta and Twitter. Uh, we always appreciate you guys tuning in, and hopefully you guys learned a little bit of something, something. Sorry that we couldn't uh, give you the updates on or off the podcast conversation, but uh, yeah. maybe one day, folks, maybe one day. All right, yeah. have a great one, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Press Pass. See ya.